0: Hey, White Girl Awakening community, this is Jen Barnes, founder of White Girl Awakening, and I just wanna say thank you for showing up. We know that this journey of awakening can take some true bravery to enter into some discomfort and learn and grow together. If you haven't already found us on Facebook and Instagram, I wanna encourage you to enter into that community. You can find us at White Girl Awakening, and you can also come and check out our blog, at www.whitegirlawakening.com. I wanna welcome you officially to our White Girl Awakening sessions, where women from all different backgrounds are committing to a spirit of curiosity towards one another, a posture of welcome, and adopting a lifestyle of awakening to ourselves, God, and one another. We've created these sessions for white women to lean in and learn from people of color because we believe They are the best ones to teach us, and more importantly, lead us into a greater understanding of who they are and how they experience and view the world. I believe God is calling His people to come closer and bridge the gaps that have been severed far too long in this nation. I believe He has uniquely graced this generation to heal ancient wounds of division, and He is elevating that great commandment He left us with to the surface of His people's hearts to love one another as he has loved us. And we cannot love one another if we aren't coming into a full understanding of who the other is. I claim Ephesians 4 over this session that we will attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ as we learn together in complete humility and gentleness, bearing with one another in love making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So as we lean in and learn tonight, let's remember that love believes all things, and it believes the best. If you hear something that's hard to believe tonight, I wanna encourage you not to harden your heart to what someone else is saying is a true reality for them. I've heard it said that perception is reality but there are different perceptions for different people, and therefore there can be different realities. Life is not as cut and dry as we'd like for it to be, and I realize that may mean it doesn't feel as safe as we'd always like for it to feel. Tonight, we have the opportunity to love without any borders around our hearts. Let's be brave enough to allow people to be where they are, who they are, and to meet them there, enter in, and stay a while all right i just want to welcome everybody to the second awakening session with white girl awakening this is a space for women to enter in to a posture of what we call awakening which is just a posture of welcome a curiosity of what more together can usher in to what seems like a segmented and separate world at times Um, a bravery to allow people to be where they are, who they are, and to meet them there and enter in and stay a while. And so I've invited a few guests to come into this space so that we can awaken together, that we can lean into one another in this table. Um, Our first guest I'm really excited to introduce is Pastor Taffy Dollar. Uh, She has become a good friend and somebody that I really look up to and And learn a lot from Um, Pastor Taffy is the the co pastor with her husband Creflo of World Changers International, which has a campus here in Atlanta and also in New York City, and then other campuses all throughout the the country. Um, You also have an entertainment organization. And when I read that, I told Kelly earlier, I'm feeling a little intimidated. I've got an entertainment and a TV show host <laughs> that, I'm, um, that I'm hosting. Um, but you also have a couple of nonprofit organizations that are really geared towards women and helping women heal and be empowered. And I just really admire all of those things about you. So thank you for being here. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Honored to be And then Kelly Copeland, you are someone that I met not too long ago with through Pastor Taffy, a a recorded conversation that we had um, around unity and trying to navigate through some of the the events that happened earlier this year. Um, You are the daughter of Kenneth and Gloria Copeland, some giants of the faith. Mm -hmm. Um, You have a TV show that you co-host every week um and then you are an author as well and then i did not know about commander kelly and the super kids <laughs> but i was reading about that and i knew on social media you were commander kelly now always kind of wondered what is this but you produce a lot of content for children and and use in the church throughout the world um, so you learn something every every day um, but thank you um during that conversation, when I met you this way, virtually, um, your heart for awakening was just so pure. And, um, I think you're an amazing example and role model of what it looks like to change your mind. And so I'm just really grateful to have you both here. Thank you, Jan.
1: I'm so honored to be here too.
0: So when we were scheduling this, this, awakening session, we thought that we would be a few days after the election and know who our president was. And we were kind of anticipating some kind of ripple happening, but not knowing what, because not knowing who, we weren't sure. And the topic that we selected, which I still think is is really pertinent, was where do we go from here? And it was... Dr. King's, the the last book Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. wrote was titled, Where Do We Go From Here? Chaos or Community? And the world has just felt a little chaotic lately. I don't know about you, but for me, it's felt pretty chaotic. And um, our focus here at White Girl Awakening has not necessarily been on changing the chaoticness in the world. Um, It's been more about helping individuals change their minds about how to navigate through a really complicated world because in this world we we know we're going to have trouble and you know that we can certainly count on so today is November 5th this is pre-recorded so I feel like it's important to say because by the time this airs it may we may know who our president is but but right now it just kind of feels like we're in this space of not really knowing where we're going. Um, and so I would really love to seek some wisdom from you ladies around how, this question. How do we not allow something like an election to divide our fold, but even more importantly, and this question is for both of you, how can we choose community over chaos? in the midst of really great uncertainty, because I think no matter who gets elected, there's uncertainty on one side or the other. And what these past few days have shown is how tightly divided we are in this nation. And the work that I've done over the last 10 years that has given me the joy of having people on both sides of the aisle who I really love, has shown me that there's great uncertainty on each side around who may be elected, but the fold is on both sides. The body of Christ exists on both sides. So, how can we choose community over chaos? And what are you ladies focusing and meditating on in this current climate?
2: Yeah, it's it's really been a lot. Um, just a heaviness like I've never experienced before. Um, just the weight of this election. I think when we went into it, there was just a lot of fear and people didn't feel safe. And I was wondering, why are we feeling this way where... People were just saying they were going to vote and run home and not stay out or just... So I was thinking, that's never happened before or what? what is really going on? So it's like um, very intense. Um, people are on edge. And I think it magnifies and amplifies as a result of the pandemic, right? So we were already just trying to do best with COVID and managing it. And then with the added divide on top of COVID and uh, so many people transitioning at such an alarming rate, and then going into the the election, uh, election day, it was just like, ooh. And it was good because so many people have voted and participated right you know they were talking about the tens of millions and and all the ballots that have been been um been made so that that was very encouraging that people are actively participating in the process and and everything but at the same time you just feel this total division just in society today um pretty much in every spectrum of life i was thinking earlier today it's like in education in entertainment, in the church, in athletics—I mean, everything. Yep. There's a line, and there's a clear demarcation of, of uh, separatism and separation. So, we've never been in this this space before either. You know, it was kind of like you just—I felt like you just agreed to disagree with whoever, and. You could verbalize it and even say it. But now you feel as if you have to be silent or be quiet, not say anything. And I think that builds up a level of of, um, stress, you know, PTSD, just all kinds of things. And the number, not to even mention the number of racial, um, what do you call it, just the killings and, and how that is one of the factors, too, that we've seen in 2020 that they say attributes to PTSD, uh just in the um communities of color, right? So
0: sure.
2: yeah, it has just seemed so chaotic um in trying to keep up with all the reports about, you know, every day the news and the conspiracy theories. If <laughs> some people say, you know, COVID's not real. And then people say it it is real. It, you know so I've really been fortunate through the word to be able to seek peace and really get some um just a level of sanity I guess for lack of a better word you know that has really been been helpful um I just miss the physical just the connectivity and just being at church and with the body of believers and events and conferences and, 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 and all of that. Um, I miss the sense of community and belongingness by connecting with other believers, you know, I just, yeah. But um, it's, it's just hard to describe. I, I I'm, at a loss for words and speechless in a lot of ways, you know, it's just a place that we've never, never been, but I think there's no other way, but
0: up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I had a close friend who is a black pastor a little bit younger than me this week, send me a text. It must've been yesterday. It just feels like the days are years right now. Uh And he said, When do you think the results will be in? And I said, maybe tomorrow, maybe three weeks from now. I don't know. And he said, Well, I need to drive up to North Carolina um to do this live, you know, preaching session. Um, do you think it's safe for me to go? And that just had never occurred to me, even though it should, because of the work that I do, that young especially black men right now in in this in-between period and maybe even more intensely after depending on how this election goes are wondering should they drive to certain places in the country like we're in the 60s again or before um but i just in those moments and and this guy's extremely positive and, you know, upbeat. And it just feels like, oh, there'll be a pivot. If there's a, um, if somebody knocks me down, I'm going to get up and skip. Um, so there's a strength in in him, but what are some of the things when you feel the most overwhelmed pastor Kathy, or the most maybe discouraged, what are some of the things that you do? What, what are some of the habits that you've created to, to go to the well, so to speak?
2: Exercise, for sure. I've fluctuated um, in exercising on a regular basis. I kind of have my spurts and then I'd fall off the bandwagon. And um, But this year, um, I started off really strong before the pandemic hit, but after the pandemic hit, I... You know, people were saying, you know, stay in, don't go to the gym and, and those kinds of things. So probably the last three months or so, I've started back going to the gym. So that has helped me tremendously. I attend a class. It's very challenging. Um and I enjoy it. It has helped me in so many ways, just um in you know, just a benefit in and of itself. So but that's been one, that's been one thing. Um Just being creative, I find myself having so much time now to be creative. So I've enjoyed that, um, to give myself to projects and things that I've wanted to do and in the space of of, uh, planning and doing some pre-production and things like that, uh, wanting to do. So I'll be getting with Kelly on on, uh, children's shows. I'm trying to get in that space um, to create content around the importance of biblical equality so they can learn it at a younger age. That's good. Uh, We're developing characters. In fact, I'm working on um, one of our youth buildings, our our children's buildings now. So just giving myself to, to those kinds of things to uh, take your mind off of everything else that's going on. And uh, that's, and obviously the word and I've been, working harder seems like in this pandemic than before just teaching and sharing the word of God, keeping people encouraged. My husband does a daily Facebook live. So, you know, we're, we're, we're always, you know, doing something uh, in that space.
0: Your daily Facebook live has been my well many, many times during this pandemic. You guys just shepherd so well. Mm. Thank you for that.
2: Yeah, so it's um, been fun learning technology, too. Just I'm always wanting to learn something. I took a class in real estate. Um, and uh, so that was fun early on. And just trying to do more reading, read books that you said you... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so things like that.
0: Good. Well, what about you, Kelly? what What do you think in terms of this choosing community over chaos. What are some ways you think that we can do that or what comes to your mind as you hear pastor Taffy talk through some of the struggles she's had? I think
1: I've, I've been through so much the last few years that began in chaos Mm. that with, you know, a divorce and just everything that that entailed and re you know, rebuilding your life and taking care of your child. And but in the middle of all of that, actually before the divorce, I I just had to get close to the Lord and I I thought I was. Yeah. But I found myself in a place due to his grace, not because I was so smart to know I needed to, but I found myself because of really he poured out this desire on me to begin to worship him. Um and literally like worship type service or singing or just at home all the time. I just couldn't stop. Mm-hmm. And it positioned me and I didn't realize what was going on at the time, but it positioned me to be more submitted, to be more submitted beneath him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it did something in my soul that created an openness for him to talk to me about me. And this is just at a time when it's very tempting to talk about somebody else or point fingers or say, you know, um, be mad because someone else hurt you or whatever. But I real I don't know why I just he was able to re-gear me to look at me. Mm-hmm. And I found myself in this place with him where he sh- literally shepherded me through. -hmm. And I guess, you know, on the road to Emmaus, he showed up with those guys, Cleopas, you know, who we never hear of before or after. And then the other guy that doesn't even have a name in the Bible. But I think that's on purpose because God shows up to people other than Kenneth and and Creflo, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. He shows up to, uh, you know, women to hurting people, to the woman at the well, to the people nobody sees, the people who don't have a name to everybody else. And I mean, for me, I felt like that person. I mean, I know I come from a ministry family and people know our name, but I didn't feel like Commander Kelly. I didn't feel like I was on top of it. I didn't feel like I had my act together. I mean, the enemy was trying to tell me night and day that I was a phony, you know. Mm. And But the Lord wasn't saying that. And he, like the guys on the road to Emmaus, he walked with them and he, and he, they were horribly distraught. They were so horribly distraught over Jesus dying that they even said to Jesus, well, we thought he was the son of God. But he, but they talked about him like he was a prophet. So they, they're really, now their theology is messed up and their, their king is messed up, you know, because they had the king in the flesh. And then he's dead. And we have had it, we know Jesus in the spirit. But I believe where he's walking us is to be able to know him more in the flesh, like hmm. where you could maybe meet Jesus if you met me. Whoa. But it was in their chaos. Sorry. I start crying because he did this to me. He walked me out of that chaos by shepherding me through to the point that I saw him. And like with them, they were like, please don't go. Come eat with us. After he showed himself in, to them in the scriptures on the walk. And then he, they, they break bread at a table at community. They break this bread and they suddenly saw Jesus. And I believe that the Lord is in this time. Like I had been through that. So I started telling people, couple of years ago hey the shaking's coming the shaking's coming and everybody's like yeah 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 and then the word of the lord for 2020 at the end of 19 was change vision and manifested power and you know, there was a lot of excitement, like the awakenings coming. And I think I used to view the awakening like, man, we're going to be having church, and everybody out there is just going to get woke up and want to come to church. <laughs> then I was like, y'all, I don't think change means this. I think, well, I, I think before you start marketing that, you should really stop because I feel like change. I feel like it's not going to be as like feel as great as we're saying it's going to feel. And I finally, I've got enough looks at meetings and whatever, you know, just talking to people and I finally kind of quit saying it. And then all this happened. All this change didn't quite look like the change that that our uh, perception had prepared us to have. But I believe the Lord is working on some things that are so deep inside of us. And these things that are happening, he's in these moments. Like I felt like from the beginning that, Quarantine was about recalibrating and reconstruction and deconstructing and reconstructing. It's like everything we trusted, you know, the church, you know, hanging out with our friends at church, going to work, being accoladed, sports, Hollywood, you know, everything that you could lean on that was not Jesus was just kicked out from under us. And uh, I'm not saying that Jesus did COVID. He doesn't do that, but, you know, the, the enemy moves and Jesus graciously keeps us going. Yeah. And when something needs to change in here, he may not keep us going at the rate we were going. Yeah. Because it's his grace, which I've learned from Creflo and Taffley, It's his grace, you know, that keeps me walking on two feet or able to put two sentences together. So I really was looking at it like that. And when all of this has occurred, I was already in the mode of, come talk to me about this, Lord. Mm -hmm. I want to know where I'm missing it. I want to know, because I really woke up. I told y'all this about with George Floyd. I really was like, oh my goodness, I need to look at myself. I need to look deeper. I need to ask my friends questions. I need to ask you know, what's been your experience. So I started doing that. And of course, your kids are happy to comply with telling you where you're missing it, right? So I got that from my kids. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, okay, 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 that's enough. I don't want to hear it. But it was in community and really communing with the Lord that we can find the order out of chaos. Mm. Because I feel like that this is, this is to me, if the if you could take that scripture that said, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, yeah, what else could you humble yourself more greatly over this topic right here? Because I, don't think, I think a hundred lo- percent, we're all guilty of some level of, it may not be color racism, but it could be some division. And most of us are guilty in some sort of way of, Viewing someone who's different than us and standing back with walls or suspicion or you know, my opinion, your opinion. I mean, clearly the selection is showing us that we're all divided. And if the church can be this divided, then we're missing something of Jesus here. Yeah. And um, I've always, I think that there's a powerful phrase called yes and. Yes, this, but and that. Yeah. And yet that doesn't you don't get that if you don't commune, if you don't sit at a table, if you don't have hard conversations, if you don't allow yourself to be uncomfortable. And if you don't stay in the room to talk it out when you say something, when they say something stupid or you say something stupid or, you know, whoever says something stupid or or mean or mean spirited, even. I think I don't know that you can talk to people that are in the mean mode. And they're drilled down into what, but when they wake up to the fact that they're missing something, maybe you can talk to them then.
0: But yeah.
1: Can the Lord talk to me right now? Can you talk to me right now? I'm only the one that can decide that. And I've decided to commune in the middle of the chaos with Jesus. I mean, I woke up on election day and he had a word for me that really helped me later in the day. I mean, he helped me in the moment because he said, don't be and don't be uh di- disturbed or unduly relieved no matter who gets elected yeah because if i am disturbed by one party getting elected then my confidence is not in jesus that he can see me through that but if i am relieved that one party got elected then my relief is being found there and you know obviously if Person you voted for gets in, you're gonna be happy, you rejoice. He didn't want him talking about that. He just said, "Don't be relieved. Don't act like okay, now everything's gonna be okay." And I yeah, think no. the church has been too much that way.
0: That candidate is my savior. Yes, is not is not our what our called perspective should be. Right. I heard you say in so many words, and tell me if I got this wrong, but it kind of. Felt like you were saying community might have an opportunity to come out of chaos. A better you know, earth.
1: I think that's, it has to.
0: And it's more around how we choose to navigate through this chaos together. Um, what posture we take before God and then the avenue of what takes place between me and God and you and God. And we were talking about that earlier. And I actually want you to go into that a little bit more the oneness thing that you were explaining earlier um, at some point before we're finished, because it was just so powerful. Um, But seasons change and this has happened throughout all of history. God has brought fresh winds in and it hasn't always been this like lightly flowing, fluffy wind. Um, he, he comes fiercely sometimes to call his people to adapt and grow. And um, that's a painful process. You know, young people have growing pains with their bones when they grow too fast. Um, and I feel like God has been saying, I need some abrupt growth to take place because my people who are called by my name um, are moving a little too slowly to the, beat, the heartbeat of the drum that my heart is beating, yeah. uh, that, that cadence. Um, and I'm just wondering, I don't have this answer, but is there something that the local church is needing to do differently in this season than what was necessary for seasons prior Um, in order to operate more as a holy nation, a holy people, because this has been so much about red and blue and being fiercely in the middle of it. For me, I almost didn't vote. And I had this really I wrote a blog called Why I Didn't Vote because I I had come to the place where I was OK with it. And then the the blog writing it helped me conclude all the reasons why I should. So it'll never be published. But essentially what it came down to was I am going to disappoint people I deeply love no matter which way I go. And if I just stand straight up and make a decision in my heart based on the full perspective that I see that that isn't perfect, um, I'm going to disappoint other people even if they don't know it. And that was this, I was acting, and I never have to tell anyone who I voted for, but I was acting out of this need for everyone in my life that I love to be okay. And I'm not in control of that. Um, And where I got, I got to this place of, yes, I'm an American, but I am part of a holy nation and a holy people. And... It just feels like there's something different needed in terms of perspective to tap into as a community of believers. And is there something different that you guys have have seen the need for or that you started doing in your ministries um, that wasn't maybe necessary before, but this new season is ushering in some new needs to materialize in a different way?
2: So just from a connectivity standpoint, um, we knew just the loss of connectivity going into the pandemic. And of course, we thought it, we'd be out of it by now and it would be a matter of months. Or, um, and so I realized something the other day. It was kind of like connection is the new currency. Right. So it's just like missing that and maximizing um, through technology and whatever means you have available, kind of like we are tonight. Um, the sense of, of still being to being able to engage on a different level, um, I think has been a the challenge. And we're forced to just kind of take a fresh set of eyes and looking at things, even as it relates to work. It's like, okay, well, how can I work now that so many companies and organizations are working remotely and um, how can I worship and feel like I'm connected to my church, even though I'm physically not there. Um, So it's, I think we're learning and we're maximizing it and and it's been really good, um, the outcome.
0: Yeah, I think I've been so impressed. And like I said, your Facebook lives have been a well that I've consistently drawn from and there are there are there's grace in all of these negatives where God has said, but you can mobilize the ch- the church in that avenue too. Um so you know, social media has a lot of negative implications, but he's found a way to mobilize his church to an even greater extent because of this pandemic through those avenues. And um that gives me great hope mm-hmm. for the adaptability of the church, the holy nation that will continue on. Um, And what about you, Kelly? What I
1: have my hands on right now, I'm going to do. I've got my hands on my child. I've got my hands on my community. I've got my hands on the Kelly and Jerry show. So the first thing we did, as soon as we could tape again after COVID, was um, we did a show on racism and we did a show with Will Ford. Do you know who Will Ford is? He, he travels around with the big cooking pot. I mean, look him up. If you don't know, he, he and Matt Lockett travel around and bring unity, talking to the church about black and white and mm-hmm. unity and coming together and praying together. It's so powerful. So we had him on. So we did two shows with him, one on strictly racism, this kind of conversation, what can we do? And having those, being willing to be uncomfortable, being willing to, that's important. And I think that anybody with any kind of influence, and maybe your influence is a hundred people on social media, will just be, um, I think I'd put this, don't be, because this was me, even up till recently, even up till today, because I was, Thinking about this and actually talking to my daughter about it, and she helped me with some percept- per perspective. And so it's like I can't be, I can't just go. Well, I'm not a racist. Mm. I need to be anti racist. Nobody will question if I'm a racist if I'm anti racist. If my daughter is anti racist, if this is an anti racist home, yeah. then no, because because I get concerned. Like I might say the wrong thing, or I might come across as racist or, and I'm not a racist, but I might not know. And, but uh, the things that we have to do is think about not just what we're saying. We need to think about what's being heard. Yeah. If I'm talking about the government or I'm talking about politics or whatever, I can't just say something that is my quote unquote opinion I need to remember what is being heard. I need to be, I need to remember that my brain is not speaking to my brain. So I can't just lightly skip over the top of things. I have to, I need to give context. I need to, um, I need to think about what the, all the people. And the reason I need to think like that more now than ever is because it's harvest time. Yeah. And I think Jesus put it best when he was talking to the disciples and they came to him and they're shocked. I mean, they were racist. They're shocked that he's talking to a woman, a sinful woman, but their biggest shock was racial. She's a Samaritan. Why are you talking to the Samaritan? Why is he talking to the Samaritan? And, when um, what, uh, what he said to them was look up mm. and not just look. I mean, she went to the village and all these people came running with her. She went and told them, come see this man that told me everything I ever did. She's been very authentic because he changed her life in moments. So here all these people are running. A whole group of people that they are racially walled off from are running at them. <laughs> and Jesus said, I have this nourishment you don't know about. And if his nourishment isn't our nourishment, then where are we getting our nourishment? Whoa, where are we getting
0: our faith? Oh, that's so good. I love that you referenced the woman at the well. And that was a profound text for me over the last several years. Not necessarily on the, on the racial stuff, but on the womanhood stuff yeah and I was raised in a really traditional conservative um, environment. I have a seminary degree from a theology uh, a place that won't ordain me. Um, and I always felt this call in my life, and there was some real woundedness that God had to heal and promote within me um, to not be after the approval of man, not men, but just people. And to hear his mandate on my life um, through some messy theology and to walk things out in spirit and truth. And that's part of this journey is we cannot open up to others if we are not opened up ourselves to his Mm -hmm. call on our lives and the fullness of what we are as women are empowered to do. But that specific text for me, I had always grown up hearing it taught from this really um, harsh male perspective of, you know, this woman was, was a, and maybe this is just what I was hearing, but it was taught from this perspective of this woman was such a, um you know, a whore and a harlot and she was so dirty and God told her who he was, you know, Jesus went and told her who he was and don't, don't sin anymore. And it was like this, pers- this um, real emphasis on s- stop being, the dirty center that you are. And when I started going through this season that I was telling you about, Kelly, before we started this, where God was waking me up in the night and I was literally waking up praying, search me, oh God, and know my heart. I was already praying it before I woke up. It was like I was praying it in my sleep. And then I would wake up and I would say, yes, God, search me and know me and um, see if there's any anything unclean in here and and make me new. And and, and then he would repeatedly say, do not harden your heart to me. And when I take you to places in your heart, feel it and sit with me there and, and let me lead you there. And in that season, he, he kept taking me back to that text. And I finally saw it with these fresh new eyes that God was not condemning her and getting on to where she'd been. He was promoting her. Mm-hmm. And telling her who she was, and he—what you just brought full circle to me was—he was promoting her to her fullness of, of worthiness in him, and he did it in front of bigoted people. Yeah, he did. Bigoted, self righteous people, and who he loved. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this is what this is what loving me looks like. And then you go and reference. That action that he did with that woman at the well, and then tie that to the greatest commandment to love him with all your heart, mind, soul and strength is to love others as he loved us. It's the first one and the second one are just like it. They're synonymous. And thank you for sharing that. That literally just came full circle for me. That it was. Things. I think we have to remember
1: and take a page out of Creflo's book about grace. Mm. Um, Because when he said, go and sin no more, that was a gift. Mm -hmm. That was a pronouncement. That was a, that was a, I could give my kid a sandwich and go, okay, go eat. Mm. I'm not telling her. Obviously, you don't know how to eat. I'm instructing you how to eat. Now you better go eat. I don't need to tell her that. She's hungry. I give her a sandwich. I just say, now go eat. Mm -hmm. He said, now go and sin no more because now she's empowered for that life. And she did. She became an evangelist immediately, stepping into her calling and that God would share with a Samaritan sinful woman who he was. I mean, I guess. The men who use that like that, they forget that she was the first one he gave his secrets to. Ooh, yeah. And, and her heart, her precious heart, to just go from being ashamed to totally transparent. You know, it's the person who's had their heart scoured mm-hmm. who can go out and tell somebody about this great Savior. And I think in all this, the Bible says. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That shouldn't be to us. Oh, well, that must be mistranslated because I'm filled with Jesus. And that would have been my interpretation. And, even, and like uh, Creflo was preaching last night about our spirits are one with Jesus. And, but yet I allowed all the things the Bible said about my soul, about, you know, being cleansed and said, I allowed all that to fall under my spirit. Like, no, I'm, I'm a new creation. Well, I have found out that there's my spirit creation brand new right away. But my mind, my will, and my emotions, when my mind, my will, and my emotions become one with the Lord, because I've let him scour me like the woman at the well did. She said, I don't have a husband. He goes, yay, you told the truth. Yay. It wasn't condemning. It was like, yay, now I can get in. Now I can dig around in there. And when I allowed that, when I allowed one thing, the first thing that he pulled out of my heart was abandonment. And Satan had planted that idea. It wasn't even true. But when the Lord pulled that out, it was like a Jenga puzzle that just kind of, and it just all felt started falling apart. And he said, Hey, there's some pride. Hey, there's some idolatry. Hey, let's talk about this or that or whatever. And, He just unfolded me and that allows me to be transparently talking to somebody about, okay, there may be stuff in here. I don't see you can be used of God to help me. He's been pointing stuff out to me. Your voice is matching his voice. And Lord, what about what she said? Do do you see something in there? That's a conversation you can't have with the Lord to you open your heart. But when you do, and that He comes in, he can fill up all those space in my mind, my will and my emotions where I had some lie. Now that oneness in my soul, that's a new creation. Yeah. Peter got a new name. Peter went from Simon to Peter because the father revealed him something in here. Mm. I got a new name. I get a new name because that new creation is not Kelly It's and Jesus. It's Kelly Jesus doing something. It's It's Jen Jesus, it's Taffy Jesus doing something. So that oneness allows the manifestation of the glory on our flesh. And I think that that's where we're headed. So what can be the thing? You know, humans are such that, you know, we don't dig too deeply if things are working. If it's not chaotic, we don't fix it. And so if the Lord doesn't lift his hand and let some stuff of ours fall apart a little bit. It's not him doing it to us. He's gracious to let us function at all. So he can either let me function without seeing my junk, or he can not he cannot grace me enough to keep my junk. And when it's time for the junk to go, I'm going to fail if I stay at the same level. So it's faith to faith and then glory to glory. We've fallen short of the glory because he has. He hasn't opened our eyes to all this stuff till now. Now we have an opportunity to become one with him and one with each other and that we will be the glorious church because he said it.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: I just had some things come full circle and it just happened right here on that live feed. Wow. That was powerful. Pastor Taffy, I... Something you said, the three of us were part of a call that you called several months ago. And it was not too long after Ahmaud Arbery was killed. And then there were several just back-to-back unarmed black shootings by police officers. And, um, you know, that was just one aspect of what we've experienced this year really come to the surface. People of color have been experiencing that for a long, long time. And we just it wasn't on the forefront of of the attention of my community. Um, But one thing that you asked during that conversation that we all had that has remained with me that I have continued to kind of meditate and think on um, was you used this term white silence. And I've started using it with in conversations that I've had and in various aspects of educating others, um, I've just continued to revisit this reality. And I'd love for you to explain to this audience, what, what is white silence? You explained it that night and it just opened my heart wide open. And what does white silence cause the black community to conclude?
2: It's almost as if when you have been privileged, and I know that word kind of rubs the wrong way. Maybe I shouldn't say that coming out of the gate to try and define
0: it what is white
2: is. But it's um, when you have the advantage and as a result of having that advantage, you can choose what you want to respond to. And what you want to listen to or get involved with because of the position that you're in. And so I think when we go back to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, I'll just make it long story short. It was almost as if when the enemy came into the Garden of Eden and tempted Adam and Eve to eat of the fruit of the tree and then they ate, as the Bible says, Um, it talks about how the man will rule over the woman. So there was this advantage that men had and that Adam had over Eve because of, um, the curse that was introduced. Right. So, um, it was advantageous to be male. We know, um, there's a whole issue of sexism in society today where, There's male domination, male empowerment, many men who dominate certain professions and things like that. So it's the same thing as relates to the subject of racism because there's a superiority that's associated when uh, someone feels as if they have an advantage and they can choose to respond in any way that they can or ignore. Um, but it all comes from a place of I think um where Jesus isn't and and I say that because there as Kath as Kelly has said, there's been uh for so long this division and racism that has been pretty obvious from a color perspective as relates to blacks and whites worshiping together um, not in the space of, of gender obviously men and women always have worshiped together of all colors for the most part and work together and things like that but when it when it comes to family when it comes to the place that I choose to to, to live in the community that I' will, you know, reside in or the schools that I'll send my children to, the church that I will worship at. Those things have always been divided. And um, as people of color, you didn't understand why. You just felt like, is there something wrong with me where people of, you know, white people don't want to live where I live or... Want to go to um, the church that I go to, or when I go to that church, they leave and they won't say why. And um so, for a long time, you just have scratched your head and said, "What? Why is this?" Because it's never been discussed. Hmm. Um, unlike Kelly just said, you know, Jesus had a conversation with the woman at the well and 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 um didn't make you know her falling short or her sins an an issue so it's like i'm not in sin i'm not being disobedient and why do i feel as if i'm not equal i'm not good enough um or even you're being avoided yeah or even being avoided so um I'm thankful that it's um, starting to change. Things are starting um, to shift, but obviously we have a, a a long way a long way to go. But yeah, that that is a philosophy. And I guess um, from a book that I read, I forget the lady's name. And first name is Renee, and last name starts with a D. But she talks about white. Fragility, which Jen, you and I talked about, and um, also introduce this concept of of white silence. So it's as if you see the racial disparities in communities of color, but there's no acknowledgement to say, I see you, I see your pain, and, like Jesus, how can I alleviate some of the hurt you know mm. so it's very, very, very painful, and I know there's a great cost um to extend, and everyone doesn't want um i guess. What I understand is that when whites reach out to Blacks, be it in church or work or try to integrate, and it's not like empowering someone Black or empowering someone, you know, brown of a different nationality that you're going to lose. You know, Uh, my equality does not rob from yours Jen it doesn't rob Chris Kelly it just says that we can stand side by side our kids can play together and my home is a place where you feel comfortable and vice versa Um, and just knowing what real diversity is is not just sitting side by side and kind of tolerating each other but it's really receiving the input and asking for, um, the insight and perspective that that other person brings and, and taking it to heart. So I think it's, um, it's gotta, I'm just believing that maybe something of this nature comes out of, of what we're of what we're seeing in the world today. It's like this boiling up that's coming to a head and it's just gotta.
0: Yeah. Well, everything you've described, I just, I'm not okay with a world where people feel that way. And I, I don't think I'm the only one. I hear that in Kelly and, um, and especially this younger generation coming up and our, our appeal and our plea is through being able to share what you've just shared with with more and more white people so that we understand, wait, when we're not getting involved because of whatever reason, I don't understand what's really happening over there, or that's so foreign to me, or um, I've been taught to be afraid of that neighborhood, or whatever it may be, what's being perceived is this real lack of concern and care and love And maybe it's creating blinders and buffers from seeing pain that we're called to help heal. Um, And it could be preventing in terms of a body of Christ um, perspective, the ability to give to one another as they have need. Um, And that's a vice versa thing. Um, And I just feel like it's critical and essential to have these conversations and dialogues where we can where, where you can say, what is the silence about? Cause that was your question. And mm-hmm. when you asked it, I just thought, uh, you said it feels like white people just don't care. Like our community is reeling over here about this and it feels like white people just don't care. And when you said it, I just thought, Oh my goodness. If, if our silence is concluding that um, for people of color, we've got to do something different. as as a community um, so that we understand one another and begin to build a bridge of understanding that, oh my goodness, Taffy, my silence right now, I'm a deer in headlights. And I'm stunned because this reality that's been yours for so long, I've just stumbled into as a new reality. And I'm feeling the weight of what you might have numbed yourself to over decades all at once. And you know that, that's what I've been feeling a lot of this year. And I that feels like a better dialogue to me being out in the open and being able to say, can I can I shed some light on the silence? Um but I, I wanted our audience to hear that because you're so you're so real and vulnerable and in the way that you shed light on what people in the black community feel sometimes from white the white community uh, we need to hear that and we're uh, not always connected to it yeah.
2: even if it's comes out the incorrect way and i know there were things that were said um certain pastors i think it was pastor louis giglio and he said about slavery and and people got upset about just the analogy and i understood we was trying to say and so it's like don't stone the messenger let's just understand that he's really trying to make a point here and and um, we may get it wrong it may come out the wrong way this is a a conversation that has never been had so we have to not feel as if um, every word just has to be said correctly and and give people the benefit of of the doubt I was watching this documentary last night it was um, Dallas's basketball team's owner, Mark Cuban, he was saying something about um, when he went down the street and he saw a black man with a hoodie on, he would go to the other side of the street, and if it was someone white with the tattoos around their neck, and um, he would go back over to the other side of the street. So it's kind of like um, people misunderstood what he said. They took it the wrong way. They got upset. They you know, had this big thing on social media. So it's like He's trying to make a point and we just got to continue to try and talk it out until we get around like you and I talk about, Jen. You say, well, how does this make you feel? How's this word? Does this sound offensive? Uh, and, and I'll you know, let you know certain things just based on where I am. I can't obviously speak on behalf of all the black community, but yeah. surround yourself with enough black people to be able to sound things off and be a sounding board so that when you come out and make statements and make points about what you're trying to do and, and um, the movement that you're trying to create, that it, it makes progress, you know? And so
0: I think. There are some funny moments I've had with some of my black friends around that too, because I realized there's this, there's this shared curiosity, when we've grown up separately and Tony, one of the white girl awakening team members who's black. um, We were at a pool. We did like some kind of staycation here in Atlanta. This was, I think just before COVID Um, and somebody, there was a white girl in the pool who had gotten sunburned and Tony was like, can you break that down for me? What's going on over there? Cause her skin's really red. And do you guys like do that on purpose or how does that happen? And does it hurt? And she had all these questions and I said, well, she probably just forgot to reapply. And she's like, reapply what? No, the sunscreen, we have to put sunscreen on our skin or we're going to get burned unless it happens gradually. And we had this whole conversation. And, um, and then I had my friend Bernice who I travel with, a good bit. And, um, after a few times of traveling together, I always run in the morning. I I love to, uh, run. I get my exercise in and that's my meditation time. And, um, a few days into, uh, one of our trips, they realized that it takes me an hour to get ready every morning because I run and then I have to go and wash my hair and dry it. And, you know, it's a process. And, uh, she leaned over and it was kind of like uncomfortable one night and she said, why do you have to wash your hair every night or every day? (laughs) (laughs) Because I get sweaty. I have to wash it or it'll get really greasy. And she said, oh, well, that's kind of like ours, I guess. And so there's all this curiosity about one another and it can actually be fun when you get to that place of that is so funny. You feel comfortable enough to ask me that question, but I love that that's a question. I did. I had no idea. You didn't know that about me. But I think this is. You know, this is beautiful. This conversation is what White Girl Awakening is all about. Is being able to demonstrate and put on a display, and then invite others in who may not have access to people of color in their life, or vice versa, um, share us for a little bit and mm-hmm. see how we're doing this thing. And the prayer is that in listening to us talk and ask questions about one another and explain what some of the misunderstanding and unknowing is that there would be an awakening within the listenership to, to dig in and lean in more and deeper because I, I do believe and It's like Kelly said earlier, I don't think there's a more holy space because that is the essence of what Christ left us with in his command is to love others as I have loved you. Um, And And sort of a place of truth too. not to cut
2: you off. But I think. um, This is really putting us to the point where we can't really hide behind. uh, Scriptures, we can't hide behind um, any other things that it just. we're we're to be honest and truthful about um where we are and how we're dealing with everything to a point where it kind of brings us together maybe we can just talk about these things and laugh about them because i mean those things i think the focus on obviously is 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 uh part of areas where we have to renew our mind and we all are in that space of 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 Maybe focusing on the wrong things to cause us to feel more, um, more conscious of ourselves, as opposed to more aware of mm. uh, the presence of God. Right. So yeah. we just we just have to make sure that we're intentional, and that's why I appreciate you, ladies, so much because you you've been very clear about your ten- intention um to develop um and to have this experience of welcoming and uh just an openness of honesty and I, I certainly am so appreciative of for you both um for this time so i think it just starts with a place of of truth um and acknowledging where you are and i think in that truth we're able to get purified and the holiness will kind of speak for itself you know what I mean Mm -hmm. um not fake love where hi sister I love you with the love of the Lord and (laughs) I never see you again you know like no let's continue to work it through and do the work as much as we can so that we can really um be the body and get those blemishes out and Mm -hmm. um, be that spot without you know, wrinkles and all that good stuff. So it's, it's, it's starting.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you ladies. This has been incredible and I'm just so grateful that you both gave your time to allow our viewership to, to witness these conversations that we've had. Um, I want to invite anyone who has not subscribed to Follow us on Instagram at White Girl Awakening. You can also check out our blog at www.whitegirlawakening.com. If you enjoyed hearing from Kelly and Taffy, um, there is more to come because they both will be contributing um, to the blog this month. So please tune in. If you have anyone in your life who is not even remotely on the journey of awakening There is still room for them at this table. You can invite them in. Um, We have a lot of great content. And this is a space filled with grace. There's not a question that's wrong. Um, We just ask that people be brave enough to lean into a posture of humility. So we will see you next time. And thank you for listening in. Hey, it's Jen Barnes here, the founder of White Girl Awakening. And I just want to take the time to say thank you for joining our awakening session. Your commitment to a life of curiosity is so commended and celebrated here. We hope something that was said today resonated with you and maybe changed your heart as you continue to awaken in this journey. Don't forget to follow us on all social media at white girl awakening. And if you'd like to receive a free guide to awakening, text the word awake to 94090. We'll see you next time. Thank you.